weakness. Would you bow with me, family? While you've still got this spirit working in your heart, do you feel blessed? Take a minute and thank him for all the goodness in your life, all the stuff in your family and your money, your things. Take a minute and praise him for the goodness that he's thrown at you. Jesus, I've said many times in front of my family, I'll say it again, I'm the richest man I know. You have definitely given me life to the fullest. I know I speak that with a lot of people in this room. We want to praise you. All good things come from you. You're such a great, generous, wonderful Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the greatest gift of all. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, it's good to have Brian Ball back on the drums, isn't it? It's been a, yeah, it's been a long time. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, so mine, 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 mine. Have you ever said that before? Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, listen, here's the problem with this. After years and years and years and years of those words coming out of our mouth, and years and years and years of, of playing out those words in our life, we all are facing pretty serious trouble here, and here's the problem. What are we going to do with all our stuff? Am I the only one in here that has a whole lot more stuff than they need? Yeah. Now, we've done some things over the years to alleviate the problem. We've built bigger homes. In 1950, the average size home in the United States, unbelievable, 987 square feet. And the average amount of people in that home was just a shade under four. That's on average. You... Fast forward to 2011, the average size of a home in America was 2,480 square feet, and the average amount of home on average now in that home was just under three. So we tripled the amount of room that we had in our homes for our stuff to alleviate the problem. It didn't work. So we came up with another solution. We decided to build garages. That way we could put our car and our stuff in the garage. And that worked for a little while, but pretty soon, guess what? too much stuff. I read last week that 75% of Americans that have garages today cannot put their cars in them. They got too much stuff. That's something. So somebody came up with another idea. This guy was a genius. He said, here's what we'll do. We'll build a little place and see if we can get somebody to rent the space and they can take the stuff that they don't want in their home in their garage, but they don't want to get rid of, and they can put it in this storage shed and then, I don't know, once or twice a year, if they get homesick for their stuff, then they can drive over there and open up the garage and walk there and look at it. And I'm sure the idea sounded real strange in the beginning, but my goodness, did storage sheds take off. This is the biggest thing going on in the United States right now. Anybody have any idea how many square feet are dedicated to storage sheds in the United States? Turn the person to you and take a guess. If you guess it, you get a free Twinkie right now. Go ahead, guess it. 35 billion square feet. That's B with a billion. That's where we keep our auxiliary stuff. 
That's three times the size of Manhattan Island at $22 billion a year. I think we like our stuff, don't we? Yeah, we do. Well, according to John Ortberg, where I got a lot of this material from, you didn't think I could do that math on my own, did you? According to John Ortberg, there's an association of storage shed people right now that consists of 6,000 executives. And twice a year, they hold a pretty good-sized conference. And they have a conference in the spring and a conference in the winter. And the winter conference, forgot to set your clocks back, didn't you? The winter conference, uh, <laughs> they have a ski, a, a ski uh, slope that they rent. Most of the executives have to take their skis out of storage in order to go. I, you can't make this stuff up. And, and then sometimes these places where they rent the stuff, people can't make the rent payments, so the people who are renting get to keep the stuff. Terry Shrout, one of my best friends from Plainfield, that's his favorite show on TV, Storage War and, and Auction Wars, because they get the stuff and they auction it off. I mean, stuff accumulation has become a way of life for us. And the problem with that is we've got to find a place for our stuff. We've got to keep track of our stuff. We've got to replace our stuff. We've got to make sure it doesn't get damaged or stolen. It becomes our identity gets wrapped up in it. it becomes who we are. And what can happen if we're not careful on this thing is our stuff doesn't just occupy a space in our home and our garage and our storage shed. It starts occupying a place in our soul. Now, we talk a lot about that here at this church, but nothing seems to change. Stuff, stuff, stuff. So the question becomes then, uh, as Christians, what do we do with this problem? I think that's a big question because Jesus, when he described what a fool was in Luke chapter 12, verse 21, was very clear. He said, a fool is someone who stores up for themselves things and is not rich towards God. Ouch. Well, there's a group of Christians in the early church that didn't have a whole lot of stuff, but they wanted to take this richness towards God very seriously, and they started with their stuff. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And I got to thinking when I was looking at that this week, I bet I preached on this sermon, on this section of Scripture, 10 times in 31 years here, and always with a different slide. This is a loaded text. So many different ways to go with this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one complained any possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Listen, this scripture... In all the other places we've gone with this, this might be the solution to the problem of our money and our stuff. Because what happens in this whole scripture is generosity. And generosity taught these people to give up self-sufficiency. It taught them how to depend on God. It taught them how to overcome their selfishness. And look, at, I mean, there's so much teaching going on here. Think about the power of generosity. It changed the entire world when this happened with this group of people. Acts chapter 2 says... That they, uh, uh, that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. I mean, this was amazing. The world had never seen anything like this before. This group of people was taking care of every need everywhere. Uh, they were taking care of needs of people they didn't even know. And, and notice the Bible doesn't say they enjoyed the favor of all the people because of what they were preaching and teaching. And they were preaching and teaching the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they enjoyed the favor of the people because they had to earn the right to be heard, and so do we. And they did it through the power of generosity. 
And people didn't really know what they believed in the beginning. In fact, they probably said things like, I'm really not sure what those people are preaching down there. Some of it's pretty spooky because they're talking about this dead guy that came back to life and they actually drank his blood and eat his body and all that kind of business. But I'll tell you this much, it's the neatest, most amazing group of people I've ever seen. They take care of needs and I'm glad we have them in our community. And this attitude not only affects the world, it affects the, the, the people way down deep in their soul. And that's why Jesus talks so much about money and stuff. 19 of the 30 parables were about money. That's why I apologized to you last week again for not talking more about it. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. We mentioned that last week. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talks about money. Why? Because the power of our money and the power of our stuff will always move us in one of two directions. It will either move us to generosity for God's kingdom or real hard in the other direction. There is no neutral. You understand me? Our money and our stuff will either drive us to be generous like our God or way off in the other direction. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, you cannot serve two masters. It cannot be done. You'll either love the one and hate the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot do it. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think there's exceptions to that scripture? The answer is no. Do you think that you're an exception to that scripture? Again, the answer is no. Money and stuff craves to be served. And we're tempted to love it and try to get more of it and wrap our lives around it and look at people differently who have it. And when we don't have it, it becomes one of the great rivals in our heart for God. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, you just lack one thing. You've done it just one thing. Sell everything you got, give it to the poor, and come follow me. One thing away from eternal life, and he couldn't do it. Because his stuff had him by the throat and had him by the heart. Now, Zacchaeus, on the other hand, his stuff had him by the throat and heart too. But he bumped into Jesus Christ, got to finding out about his grace and his mercy that we sing about and talk about, and it turned him into generous, changed everything about him. The power of generosity. Now, I know that happened 2,000 years ago, but do you think the lure of materialism and acquisition has diminished any in the last 2,000 years? No, it's ramped up because Satan knows it works. I'm going to be honest with you. As your pastor, I don't worry too much that you all are going to be tempted to move to a different religion. That, you know, the Jehovah's Witness and Mormons knocking on your door, that doesn't bother me too much. But I tell you what scares me for me and all of us is this lure of money and stuff because it's powerful. And it's just got our culture by the throat. So what do we do? We do generosity instead. Uh, this is what transforms people. I mean, what kind of church would we be if we just focused on this? Because we've had times in and out where we have. What, what if when people talk about South Union Christian Church, they said something like, oh my goodness, I'll tell you one thing about that group. They sure are generous. I remember one time years ago, or two years in a row, they had this big giveaway down at the warehouse. In fact, one year they gave away a car. I'll tell you, if you need something, South Union Christian Church is a place to go. They got a real goofy preacher, but they're very generous. You know what I mean? Why is that funny? You know? <laughs> Wouldn't that be neat? That's what we're going to, if we're going to move forward, make disciples who make disciples, we're going to need a new building. If we don't, we won't. And we're going to need to write. We're going to have to earn the right to be heard. We're going to have to do it by generosity. Here's some things that we think about before we pray. Generosity reminds us of the stuff in life that's not ours. It belongs to God. 
Now, everybody in here knows that because this is church and it's Sunday, and we all nod in agreement to that. But we also all know that the lure of life moves us in the other direction, that that's mine, mine, mine. I don't know if you ever watch game shows or not. I've always loved the game shows. I still like them. And every now and then, if i got some time, I'll watch the game show Network, and they show some of the old ones. So I not only wasted time watching them the first time, I waste time watching them again. And one of my favorite shows is uh, Howie Mandel's Who Wants to Be? That's right. Not who wants to have great character. Who wants to find morals and virtue? No. Who wants to be a millionaire? And the answer to that question is almost everybody, except this group in the early church who are moving in the other direction quickly. This is not Christian communism either. (laughs) This is all volunteer. You understand, this was their stuff. They owned all their stuff. They just were looking for a way to give it up. They said, this is not our stuff to begin with. It's God's stuff, and we'd love to be generous with it because that's the way God is. That's the way we should be because it changes everything about you. It gets you away from the stuff thing. Now, right now at our house, I've told you before, uh, I'm not ashamed of our house. I love my place, but we've got a modular home. It's fallen apart after 25 years, but the Cardwells, my goodness, have restored it. It is beautiful. And in, I mean beautiful. They are amazing. In the process of restoration, of the restoration of our house, we've tried to downsize a little bit. We have 35 years of stuff between us, and here's what I find out. She loves to get rid of my stuff. She doesn't want to get rid of her stuff. <laughs> and you know what she'll tell you? He loves to get rid of my stuff, but he doesn't want to get rid of his stuff. It's stuff. We filled up two of those big dumpsters, and I don't know how many trips to Goodwill. We still have way too much stuff. You know, the, the cure for that is generosity. Start giving it away. You know, you, you, you get up in the morning and say, Lord, how can I be generous? The early church did. Tell me, show me what you want me. It's your stuff. Show me what you want me to be generous with. Loan somebody your car, for heaven's sakes. <gasps> My car? Some of you have two or three. You know, some people don't have a car at all. Loan somebody some clothes or give them some. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen. How many closets full of clothes do we need, really? We got people running around that don't have two sets of shoes, two sets of clothing. Let somebody borrow your home. Uh, let, let somebody have some of your money. Loan somebody your book. Uh, share some credit with something you did at work with somebody else. Share your fellowship at school or at work and sit with somebody nobody else sits with. Share your time. Let somebody have your spot in line. That'd be sharing for some of you. Share the remote control. Now you're getting crazy. Okay, listen, I'm not going to go that far. Men do not have to share your control, okay? We're going to work at this thing gently. How about this one? Give up your your seat at church on Sunday morning. Oh, I don't know about that, preacher. I mean, this seat's where I sit every week so I can hear about how Jesus died for me and wants me to give my life for others. Give up your parking place. I don't know, preacher. That's where I park every week. I go inside and worship Jesus. See what I'm talking about? I'm just saying maybe... This week, we need to sit down and say, Lord, where do you want me to be generous? The early church, they said, I trust God, and it wasn't an empty phrase. They meant it. They generously gave up their stuff because they realized it wasn't theirs anyway. It changed everything about them and all the people around them. Secondly, generosity helps us become humble. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. Joseph sold a field he owned. And brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I mean, it's an amazing story. You read about it. It's, it's crazy how things were going on there. Pretty interesting. 
Let me ask you, uh, you guys that are married, happily married, some of you, uh, where did you propose to your wife and what did that look like? Because the day you did that changed everything about you. I heard that marriage is a three-ring circus. First you get the engagement ring, then you get the wedding ring, then you get the supper ring. No, listen, <laughs> when, when, you, when you propose to your wife, I, I, no matter where it was, I bet it looks something like this. Right at her feet. See, that's a New Testament picture of submission. And these people were taking their stuff and laying it at the apostles' feet. Amazing. And again, this was unheard of because even people that gave back then didn't give like that. I mean, every now and then, on a very rare occasion, somebody would donate money for a park or a statue, but they always made sure they got honored by it. They put their name on it or a plaque or something. And on a real rare occasion, somebody might actually give some food, but they made sure they stayed in control of that food, how it got distributed, who got it, who didn't, and they got honored by it. So isn't that crazy? Even giving our stuff can get inside of us in the wrong way if we're not careful. But not this group. They not only gave up their stuff, they gave up control of their stuff. They laid it at the apostles' feet. And I'm going to tell you, can you imagine the cumulative effect that that has on your heart? <sighs> Freeze you up. Not constantly worrying about how to get more and how to keep what you got. It's just free. It's God. You give it up. It's amazing. Thirdly, generosity puts the hurt on our most basic sense. There's a book out called uh, The Economics of Good and Evil. And in it, the writer uh, points, points out that the very first sin in the Bible was a book about consumption, or a sin about consumption. I mean, when you think about it, he's right, because the very first infomercial ever happened in history in the Garden of Eden when Satan was trying to sell Eve the forbidden fruit and this whole idea of sin. Eve, are you bored and restless and unfulfilled? Would you like to have fun and excitement beyond anything you ever dreamed of? Would you like to have all your desires fulfilled and all your itches scratched? Well, let me put you in this tree of, of knowledge and good and evil. What's it going to take to get you in this tree today? It's guaranteed to work as safely and effectively at home as it does on TV or your money back. But wait, if you act right now, I'll even give a piece to your husband. You pay shipping. It's no, it's no accident the first temptation was an economic temptation. It's no accident the first temptation was to get people to treat something like it was theirs that really wasn't theirs because it's worked ever since. But what happened in the early church was the Holy Spirit got a hold of these people and replaced the habit of getting with the habit of giving. And it changes everything. That is so contagious. Both of them are contagious. I mean, you just think about this for a minute. This, this hits me all the time now. I'm 61 years old. been preaching for 40 years. You get in the habit of getting, and you want more. You get start getting a few thousand dollars in the savings account, and all of a sudden, well, if I put this in, I'll maybe get up to eight or nine thousand. Get my four hundred one k going. You know, maybe someday want to retire. You got stuff. You want more stuff. Well, I'm out of sheds. Well, get another shed. Get some tarps or something. It's contagious. Got to get more. Got to have more. Got to earn more. Got to, you know, hold on to what you got. It eats up, man. You think about it all the time. But you know what else is contagious? You let the Holy Spirit that we've been praying about and singing about this morning get into your heart, get moving you around and becoming generous, and all of a sudden you can't give enough. You start giving food to somebody who doesn't have any, it feels so good. 
You can start giving service to people who need You stop by and pray with somebody. You go to the hospital when you really don't have time. You're generous with your food. You're generous with your stuff. It's contagious. You can't give enough. You want to give more and more and more. It's like Schindler's List or something. I've got to sell something so I can give some more. Happened to Joseph. I'm sure Joseph just started by giving a little money and doing a little this and giving a little of his time. Before you know it, he's selling pieces of property and bringing it. You can't get enough. It's contagious. It got so bad they didn't call him Joseph anymore. They call him the son of encouragement, Barnabas. If you had a nickname right now based on your generosity, what would it be? I'm just asking. Generosity, number four, is powerful because generosity is who God is. That's who God is. Uh, we want to show the character of the God we serve. We're, we'll do it through generosity. I mean, you think about it. Not only did he create everything we know and see, he did it for us. You think he needed an earth? Have you seen the universe? He didn't need this. He created this for you, for me. And he could have just created one tree, just one fruit. But no, he's got all kinds of fruit out there for you. It could have just had one color, maybe blue, maybe red. But no, we got all the colors in the rainbow. Just generous, just gives and gives and gives and lavishes. And, and if we want to be like God and we want people to look to God, we got to show his character. Throw up that video, would you? And we're going to talk a minute. All it takes is a Twinkie. Am I cheesy sometimes? 200 Twinkies up here, family. I'd like you to come this morning and as you pray over communion and consider all the good things that God's given to you, starting with eternal life, which is, we can't pay by. I'd like you to take one of these Twinkies. Take it home with you and think about what can I share this week that will show people what a great God you are. It might be the Twinkie. But all of you in here know it's probably going to be something else. You probably all get to eat the Twinkie. Spend some time this week thinking what kind of a church that we, we can be that when we walk out there, people say, I just shared a Twinkie with God in the park. It's a lot fuzzier face than I expected. Spend some time this morning with the Lord. If you'd like to talk about how to become a Christian or anything else, I'll be sitting right here.